listening to the Faithful Plate Podcast, a show that exists at the intersections of food, faith, family, and everything else in between. My name is Siad Wells. Thank you so much for listening, for being on this journey, and having this conversation with me. It's a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it. And we have a, another first on the show, if you couldn't tell by the title. And today I am going to share with you an interview that I did with Sarah Withrow King. Sarah is an amazingly beautiful person. We've come to know each other through my involvement with Creature Kind, who graciously and generously sponsors this podcast for my project. And she is the co-founder and one of the co-directors of that organization. And in today's interview, you will hear us talk about food, her writing, and all sorts of stuff. So without any further ado, this is an interview between myself and Sarah Withrow King. Thank you so much, Sarah, for talking to me today, for letting me interview you for the Faithful Plate podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And for those of you out there who are listening, um, Sarah, if you could give us an introduction to who you are, what do you do, and uh, what do you like to eat? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My name is Sarah Withrow King. Uh, My job title is co-director of Creature Kind. Um, who am I? I'm a person who likes to do the crossword puzzle every day. Uh, I can't eat anything until I've had at least three cups of black coffee. Um, I really enjoy cuddling with my dogs, but I really don't like dog hair. So it's oh, a little bit of a catch 22. Um, And uh, I work from home in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, And this last year, my kid has been here every day, all day long. Spend a lot of time together. So much time. Well, no, he's not spending time with me. He's spending time with his friends. It's a develop. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a developmentally appropriate relationship at this point. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, my favorite, what do I like to eat? Ooh, I like all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I describe myself as a picky eater. I do tend to um, eat the same thing for lunch every day. At the beginning of the week, I roast a bunch of vegetables and tofu in the oven and then I divvy it up. Um, so like it's the most vegan thing I've ever no, heard. It's, I even put, I even sprinkle nutritional yeast on the tofu when it comes out of the oven. It's so, so dumb. <laughs> but like on Saturdays I have junk food Saturdays and my most common junk food Saturday, um, track lately has been to get an impossible Whopper from Burger King. Okay. So I can roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like carrot cake. I just like all the food. I don't buy potato chips because I eat them all in one sitting. I love potato chips. It's definitely my number one favorite food, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really proud of myself because I bought these um I bought these Justin's dark chocolate peanut butter cups 
Mm -hmm. um, to have as a snack food for this like writing retreat that I took recently. And I still have two of them left out of the bag. It's been a week and I still have two. And this is like, I, I feel like I want a medal or a gold star or something. They are so like sweet and creamy and delicious and perfect, perfectly balanced, delightful little treats. And I did not eat them all in 24 hours. So I'm giving you a gold star because thank you. I would they would have not lasted nearly that long to stay right thank in you. my house. Thank you very much. Yeah. I wanted you brought up writing and I wanted to talk about what it's like for you to be a writer, someone who writes about uh, animals and theology and also about food and yeah, and I really think that evangelical is the best title for a book that I've ever encountered. And just like, I just want to know more about it. Evangelical was the second title for that book. The first one was, um, I think it was called, I think the first title I I came up with was Becoming Jesus People for Animals. And I'm really glad that the publisher asked me to change it because Evangelical is way better. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that, I think that writing is one of the ways um, that I connect with people. Um, And I think that that connection with people uh, is transformative. Um, You know, when I thought of when I when I wrote I wrote I've written two books um and the first one was like my graduate thesis and it was uh, put into book form animals are not ours and it and it and it was really just um me interacting with a lot of the ideas that I learned at seminary about uh theology and about our our places our places humans in the in the story of creation and in and and what that meant for us now and particularly what that meant for people who have a bit more of a, you know, quote unquote, progressive theology. Um, You know, what does it mean to have a theology of the body um, that also includes animals? You know, what does it mean to think about animal bodies? Um, What does it think about, what does it mean to think about um, environmental justice and to include um, factory farmed animals in that, in that scheme? Um, And I'm proud of that book. Um, and, And the second, the second book, Veganjelical, um, was my, my dad had, my dad, who is, um, you know, uh, he's 30 years older than I am, um, you know, would consider himself a kind of um, centrist um, person, I think, um, but very much, uh, very much grounds himself in the scripture. Um, so my dad had a lot of notes on the first book, um, cause he doesn't, he just doesn't ascribe to a lot of the kind of theological suppositions that I was making or the, the you know, the, the people that I was talking to and with in that first book. And so when I went, sat down to write the second one, I, I really just wanted to, I, I really wanted to ground it in, um, the scripture story that I grew up with, right. That like, mm-hmm. we are, we, we are created, um, we are created in the image of God, um, and uh, we are called to steward um, the earth well. And Jesus asks us to love our neighbors uh, as we love ourselves. And so if we just take those very fundamental concepts that most Christians would sign on to, um, 
and examine, you know, how we're treating animals in light of those, those realities, you know, uh, God created the world, uh, made us in God's image, um, and asked us to steward the earth and told us to love our neighbors. What does that mean for how we're treating animals, um, given you know, in our current context, especially, um, and in that, that being a U.S., you know, year 2016 at that point, um, context. Um, and it's, you know, I think, um, I've been, you know, I, I first went vegan in the year 2002. Um, and, uh, um, yes, some of y'all weren't born yet. It's fine. <laughs> I am middle-aged and very proud of it. Um, uh, I first went vegan in 2002 and I started working for the animal rights group PETA shortly after that. Um, and I spent a solid 10 years, you know, having a really difficult time articulating um, what my faith meant for my ethical beliefs. Like I, I sort of formed these um, beliefs about, um, you know, whether or not it was okay to eat animals and or to use them in scientific experiments or to wear, you know, leather or wool. Um, to buy a dog from a breeder, I kind of formed these ethical beliefs based, based out of how I had been raised as a Christian, right? Like, mm -hmm. like I have, I had this, this fundamental identity as a follower of Christ um, and a, a very strong, um, you know, strong relationship with the church, um, you know, uh, and, um, and with God. Um, but I, I, I struggled for a decade to articulate these ethical ideas about animals in, in theological terms, you know, to think about, to, I struggled to be able to talk to other Christians about like, you know, what does it mean to be Christian in, in relation to farmed animals um, and, and to not fall into the kind of trap of, um, you know, cherry picking particular verses that I liked or that's, or, or, and ignoring the ones that I didn't or, um, or, or making sort of these broad, generalized statements about what it meant to be Christian in relation to animals that really could just apply to any good person, <laughs> you know, right. Um, right? Like, you know, be merciful. Well, okay, you don't have to be Christian to believe that you should be merciful, right? Like, that's not a specifically Christian idea. Um, so, so it was really hard for me to be able to talk to other Christians about animals and about my day job. I just, I, I felt that I, I ended up feeling really, really divided and really, um, you know, I just felt split into, like I had my, my one foot in a sort of animal rights camp and another foot in church camp and the two camps never had a camp play day. I don't know, maybe that metaphor doesn't work anyway. Um, and, and so I, I decided to go to seminary specifically because I wanted to read and write and, and look at what Christianity specifically had to say about animals. And I wanted to be able to articulate, I wanted to be able to articulate that in a way that resonated with other Christians that didn't just sort of satisfy animal rights activists who, you know, who I love and respect, but, right. um, but you know, how, how do I, how do I talk about this to folks who don't, who, who aren't already on board, who don't buy into these things that I've, you know, that I've begun to ascribe or subscribe to. Um, and, and, and I think what I learned at seminary and, and how I learned to um, read the scripture and, um, 
and talk about the arc of the scriptural narrative, I think really was a benefit and helped me to get to do that. When talking with people who may not be Christian, but who are animal rights activists, what is that like for you to say, oh, you know, my, my views on this, um, my beliefs, my ethics are informed by my faith? Like, is it, is it something that people understand? And then are you like, and then go read my books or, you know, is it, is it a really easy conversation to have? I think it's a, it's a bit of a mix. Um, I've also, you know, I've been, I've been kind of steeped in church people um, for the last five years or so. Mm. Um, So I've had, I mean, I've had a pretty big shift myself going from talking almost exclusively to animal rights people to talking almost exclusively to other Christians. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but um, part of the reason that I wanted to start, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to start Creature Kind and one of the things that I wanted the organization to accomplish um, was because I had this experience again and again and again um, when I was working in in you know in the animal rights movement of of meeting um, people who didn't believe or or people who and who had never believed um, or people who um, had grown up in the church but who had who had walked away from it um, because there was a perception of and their experience was that. Christians just didn't care about animals, right? Mm. Um, that in fact we were deeply hypocritical. Like the, the church was deeply hypocritical about um, about animals, um, and so, you know, uh, my it, some people, uh, some people, when you know they learned that I uh, that I, when they learn or learned that I am Christian, um, <laughs> were surpri- surprised. You know, I didn't know. That <laughs> people cared about this issue is a very common refrain even now and even among church people right like right I get a lot of we get a lot of messages from church folks who are like I didn't know other Christians cared about these these things I did not know that you existed I thought I was the only one and I think that that feeling of I thought I was the only one um is so that is just crushing um I think you know Christian Christianity is a faith meant to be um meant to be one of community, right? Like mm-hmm. we're in community with creation. We're in community, we're in communion with our creator. Um, we're in community with one another. Um, and if somebody feels ostracized from that community because of uh, a passion or compassion that they have, that's a cry and shame. Um, and it ought to send a signal to, you know, to those of us in leadership, especially to say like, what am I doing? That's, you know, that's creating this, um, this hostility or this in uh, this lack of hospitality for, for these, for these folks. Um, so, um, some people are surprised, uh, <laughs> other, I remember the question, I promise. Um, I, I think other folks have, um, it, one of the things that I was really able to do, um, I think was to dispel myths, right? Like um, the myth that Christianity the Christianity doesn't have anything to say about, like Christianity has a lot to say about animals. Um, Christians themselves in the church, well, they have been party to um, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of suffering. Um, there's also a, a, a fairly strong, um, historical record in the church of, of animal protection. You know, the very, one of the very first um, 
organized animal protection movements in the UK it was started by um, a, you know a group of people, including William Wilberforce, who had faith as their primary um, motivator. You know, so there's this there's a strong history in the church of of animal care and protection of stewardship. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about animals. Um, and I think there are a lot of tools within Christianity that um, that can speak to the kind of hopelessness, especially that folks who are working for um, for for justice or for um, to, to reduce suffering um, can experience. Um, you know the 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 community and hope and promise of you know restoration and reconciliation um, offered by the gospel message is, um, I think can be really encouraging for folks who are are willing and open to accepting that message. So part part of what part of what creature kind wants to do is be able to be a, a, a support for those folks who are um, you know maybe even on the verge of leaving their church or leaving the church entirely, you know, giving up on God um, right. because they've they've become so frustrated and we really want to say no, there's a place for you. There's a place for you in the body of Christ. There's a place for you in the church. Um, and 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 this um, this passion that you have for animals is from God and beautiful and um, and and uh, and holy. Why do you think there have been so many myths, or what do you think has been the downfall or lack of communication amongst Christians and the Bible in terms of? you know, yes, there is space for you to be Christian and to care about animals. So I can only talk about that from a, like, from a particular perspective, right? Like I was raised mm -hmm. white, evangelical um, in the U.S. <laughs> start, <laughs> starting in the late 70s, you know, like I'm a very particular social location. Um, and I think what I observed and what I've noticed is that there's, you know, there's a, there's a kind of level of um, overall complicity that the church participates in just because um, we're, you know, we are wherever the church is um, for many of us, we are part of a broader culture, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, 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 a, we're part of um, the place. We're part of the places where we live. Um, and in the U S um, in this time and space, um, the vast majority of our of our of food, particularly uh, you know animal products, especially, um, are are produced um, using industrial animal agriculture, right? Like big, like pigs and chickens and cows and turkeys um, are raised and killed in particular ways, um, and the church has, um, you know, has not for the most part, the church has not resisted the rise of industrial agriculture um, because a lot, like the vast majority of our culture hasn't resisted the rise of it, right? It's, it would be like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's really trying to swim upstream. Um, so, so there's a, I think there's a level of just, just cultural complicitness, right? This is, this is the world that we live in. Um, uh, it's, it's not, hard, I think, to sleepwalk into complicity with that, with that world, um, into complicity with, um, you know, uh, the many, many cruelties that come along with industrialized agriculture, you know, and not just cruelty to animals, but, um, you know, uh, 
the suffering that that workers in the farm in farms and slaughterhouses endure the suffering um, that are, that is endured by neighbors of these facilities you know whose whose land and air and water are poisoned by them um, you know for folks who are simply consuming the products of that industry um, and who who aren't taking part in um, who aren't taking part in it directly or affected by it directly. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty easy just to think, oh, this is chicken. Like ch buying chicken now is the same as it, like it's just always been this way. And we don't, we, we forget that it actually, it hasn't always been this way, right? Like right, right. McDonald's is what, 50 years, 50 or 60, no. Oh gosh, I'm very old now. McDonald's is not that old. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, um, factory farming wasn't born, so to speak, until the 1920s or 30s. Um, and didn't really start to take off until the 1950s. So it's a it's a relatively new way of eating um, that that we have um, that we've created. And for those of us born, you know, after that, or were raised after that, it's just a, just how it's always been. So part of I think part of the church's failure has just been a, a, a broader they're, they're part of a broader culture, and the broader culture has failed to to, to combat this way of of producing producing food, raising animals and producing food. Um, and then I think there are some fundamental biblical misunderstandings and misinterpretations, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, the Bible's lots and lots of ways the Bible has been used to abuse <laughs> and oppress and, and keep, you know, keep certain people down and raise other people up and, you know, wrongly interpreted over many years. And, um, many, many, many things, uh, you know, just, just looking at the word dominion is one way, you know, how you translate that word has a profound effect on in the, the word dominion in, in Genesis, you know, how you translate that one word in the creation story has a profound effect on how, um, uh, on how you view yourself, how we view ourselves in relation to God in relation to the other world. Right. So like, if you, if, if you're if you're interpreting dominion as like domination um as some people do versus um dominion as i think ellen davis calls it mastery among you know um, um other folks have a have a more um you know i think ellen davis uses mastery among um and i think um, i can't remember the specific i can't remember the specific translation now it's just which is going to bother me um but like you know, uh, Randy Woodley in one of his books has a, mm -hmm. has this image of um, of you know <laughs> this image of a triangle with humans at sort of the peak, um, you know, the apex of the triangle, um, and all the other sort of creatures and, and creation below that. Um, in, 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 and the, the apex of the of the of the triangle isn't just a human; it's a white male landowning human, right? And everything right. everything that's not a white male landowning human comes below. Um, and that's very like that's a very particular kind of imagery that's really dominated. And um, you know, next to in his book, next to that triangle, there's a, there's a circle, and it's you know, human, human, frog, tree, chicken, pig, cat, like you know, uh, like we're one among the community of creation. Um, you know, cre Creature Kind's name comes in part, you know, my, my co-founder, uh, David Clough says that, you know, there are two kinds of, quoting Bart, I believe, um, uh, says that there are two kinds of things or there's, there's God and there's God's creatures. We're not God. So we're one of God's creatures, you know, we're, we're creature kind. Um, mm. And that, that kind of, um, you know, that kind of shift in our understanding of even just one word can make all the difference um, in how we 
how we behave towards one another, how we treat um, and how we treat the, the, the planet as a home and the, the creatures that we, we share it with, you know, like I, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the least outdoorsy vegan you may ever meet. <laughs> I do not like camping. I do not like the sun. Um, I don't like, I'm allergic to literally everything outside that like, if it <sighs> exists in nature, I am allergic to it. Um, and so, but, but, uh, and I'm terrified of bees and flying, but I mean, it's ridiculous, but like, um, you know, I started to try to shift my understanding about what it meant to be human on this planet. And I, you know, I take spiders outside now, <laughs> you know, I, growing up, I would smash the Dickens, <laughs> I would take off my shoe and smash those spiders, you know, or any other creepy crawly that came into my house. And now it's like, no, no, I'm in the spider the spider belongs outside and it, you know, it's so small and it's, it can seem so insignificant, but I found that that's had a prof- like a rather profound impact on how I view myself and how I view my place and how I view like, you know, this, the sanctuary of my, you know, quote unquote, my home on my mm-hmm. land, like the, like the spiders were probably here first. <laughs> they'll, they'll be here way after. <laughs> like, like, um, you know, and they eat the mosquitoes. So now I'm thinking in my head, um, you know, in the, in the carpet, sometimes my cat will be like looking at something and I'll go like, what are you looking at? And she's like smacking or swatting at these little like caterpillar things. And I, and now I'm like, oh, I should take those outside. I'm being bad. Like a little bit, that's a little bit of a, this is, this is the, this is, um, one of the difficult, one of the ethical dilemmas of domesticated animals though, right? Because right, your right, cat right. is getting such joy right. <laughs> out, of that, out of that process. And yes, the caterpillar is probably suffering a great deal, like traumatized, maimed, but the cat's joy is increased. So it's, you know, it's a funny, <laughs> it's just a reality of living in that, you know, already but not yet world where, where we have a promise of reconciliation but a reality of suffering uh for the moment um yeah so you know maybe every other one maybe right. you could do a 50 percent decrease in your cat's joy but a 50 percent increase in the caterpillar's quality of life yes long live the long live the caterpillar <laughs> i'm gonna put that on a t-shirt yeah <laughs> i would buy that t-shirt <laughs> creature kind is uh and has been since i've known about it been oh. just like this this really bright spot I think in a really dark world at some point since, since I found out about it and um, so it's so it's been so it's been great uh, how long was it from you know idea to you know filing your 1099 uh, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna talk paperwork huh? Alex Exciting. I do I do work in a nonprofit and uh so I'm I'm just always curious you know like how long did it take you to yeah. really, like formalize and think about it and uh not to get too in the weeds you know in the weeds but or I mean and this is less in the weeds but do you feel like you're carrying out your mission oh yeah yeah um so I when I finished when I finished seminary um, I went back to work for a year at PETA to try to start a faith outreach program through oh. an animal rights organization. Um, I did not find that to be a very satisfying fit. Um, at, at that point, I thought I have all of these, like I can, I can walk into um, a church organization's doors 
um, as a peer, as like a, as a, as a, as an, as an ally, as a companion along this journey, why would I be throwing rocks from out, like as an outsider? Like, why would I place myself into an outsider kind of organization when I could like be doing this from, from a, a specifically Christian context, which would give, which would be so much more well-received. Um, so I left, I left um, for the last time, PETA, and, um, and I went to work for uh, Evangelicals for Social Action, uh, mm -hmm. which is now Christians for Social Action. Um, and I, and I, I had a job with them um, that didn't take me a, it was like, it was a full-time job, but I'm very fast. And so it didn't take me full-time hours. And my boss said, well, in, you know, you, you can work on, you know, the animal stuff in your extra time. The animal stuff. I know. Yeah. So I, um, I had become aware of David Clough's work. Um, he wrote a systematic theology, a two volume systematic theology on animals. Um, and, um, and I was really impressed by his work. Um, and I, I stalked him at a conference. <laughs> all, all good working relationships stalk, or start with stalking somebody at a conference. Um, and um, met, met him and was really uh, like just touched by his genuineness mm -hmm. um, and, and demeanor. Um, and I ended up sending an email to him and a few other people that I knew who were who were who had been trying to make um, you know, had been trying to make some headway in the sort of Christian and animal space. Um, and he was one of the very few people who wrote back and said, I have this, I have this idea. I would like to, you know, I, I've had some modest success talk, having conversations within my own academic context. Um, I, I, I think I'd like to work, um, you know, in, in this couple, these couple of areas, you know, trying to get other Christian organizations and other Christians to, to um, to, to talk about these issues and to make, you know, food pot like changes in how they are eating. Um, and we had a Skype meeting. And then two months later, uh, I, I had built us a website and, and, we, and, we, and we were launching, we were launching at the con, you know, one year later at the conference that we met at um, the previous year. So it, the conversation to like, here is our project um, was just a couple of months. Um, and we're, we've been so, so fortunate to have um, uh, partners along the way, um, mm -hmm. you know, both, both in ESA and then at, a, at an organization called um, Farm Forward and another one called Better Food Foundation um, that have supported us financially. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and um, so that was in 2016. And we filed our, we filed our IRS paperwork um, early in 2020. Um, and, and, uh, got our determination letter in July of 2020. Um, so, so we worked, you know, we worked under fiscal sponsorship for about four years, um, mm -hmm. developing, you know, programs and relationships and kind of testing some things out. Um, you know, like uh, we were at first really focused on working with institutions on changing their food policies and practices. And after a couple of years of having those conversations, we realized that, well, a lot of schools in the UK um, and a lot of institutions in the UK are absolutely ready to make um, institutional changes and institutional commitments. Schools in the US are not there. Um, mm -hmm. Like theological schools and, and right. Christian schools are, are it's, it's a much, it's gonna be a much, um, a much longer road. Um, and so we've started to, you know, ramp up our awareness raising, you know, efforts, just, just getting, 
animals on the agenda, trying to uh, trying to get um, Christian institutions and organizations to talk about, you know, talk about animals, to talk about where our food comes from, to have those conversations. Um, and, um, and yeah, so, you know, we have this, we have this, the, the benefit of, of, um, of some financial stability, <laughs> which is great. Um, and it lets us, it lets us, I think, do the work um, that we know we need to do, which is to be having, you know, a, a lot of the animal, a lot of the animal, I was raised, you know, I was sort of started to work in animal rights when I was a very young person. And um, a lot of the philosophy for the animal rights movement for a long time has been just to like, try to get as many people as possible to hear some part of your message and to repeat that again and again and again, and eventually something will click for them. And I think a fundamental difference for us is that we're really interested in being in relationship with people, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, we want to really, truly, really and truly meet people, institutions, organizations where they are and help them figure out what the next step for them is, right? There's no, there's no universal um, like uh, right way to act um, when it comes to uh, you know taking action on the on these particular issues, right? A, a church in um, in Topeka is going to have a different call than a church in Portland, um, and that's okay. Um, you know, one denomination is going to have a set of uh, of values, uh, you know, the, the, the Mennonites might want to respond differently to this than the Methodists and that's okay. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, we want to help catalyze conversations, whatever that looks like. Um, and we want to help people, um, at these organizations and institutions figure out what is the next best step for us to take. Um, and how, you know, how can we answer this call to, um, to, to, to care for the whole of God's creation um, uh, in, in our context. Yeah. Do you, or what do you see as the future of creature kind? I mean, it's now, uh, you know, it's own <laughs> nonprofit and uh, officially from the IRS's yeah. perspective and, yeah. and not only that, but just, you know, it's, it's been five years and I'm sure that you all are strategically planning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm really good at strategic planning and not just reacting to things in my inbox. Absolutely. 100% do that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, we're, you know, officially, we're not even a year old. Um, and so, so that's been fun, but we have staff now and everything. It's great. great. One full-time, two part-time staffers and a, a few contractors. That's fabulous. Um, you know, we have a very, we, last year we launched uh, the, uh, the Creature Kind Fellowship Program, which, um, which accomplishes a lot of our goals in one program, right? Gotcha. So um, it, helps, it helps equip people in their own context. It helps um, uh, uh, further the understanding of what it means to be Christian in relationship to animals. It helps um, uh, to, it, it helps to create kind of, you know, ambassadors <laughs> for animals <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah um uh and it also provides um people who are animal advocates with a with a group of um of of, of like-minded folks to to connect with um and helps them connect to us as well so 
um, that program is, is um, starting its second year. Um, and uh, we, so, so our task is to, I think now for the next few years is to, um, in a post, in a quote unquote, post COVID world, uh, <laughs> really, really start to dial in on what our educational programs look like um, for, for a mass audience. Um, um, and to really be strategic about, um, uh, in particular about uh, our part, you know, our partnerships um, and expanding, um, be, being strategic and intentional about, um, about working with um, grassroots organizers, BIPOC groups, um, in particular, um, farm and slaughterhouse workers, um, to be in, in really good conversation with the folks um, who are, uh, you know, on the ground as they speak. One of our, one of our, one of our tendencies has been to, um, you know, we were founded by a girl who likes to read and an academic. So. <laughs> So, so we've been real wordy, <laughs> which is great. And, and, um, and I think, you know, uh, the written word, you know, we were talking about earlier, the, the written word is one really important way to make connections with people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we also want to explore other, other ways that um, other ways that we can be in partnership with and connect to and help people um, deepen their understanding of, uh, 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 of animals um, and, and, Christian theology and animals, right? And, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could show you the work plan I have for the year um, and our broad goals, but I don't know that it would be that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure whatever it is, it's, it's going to be great, you know, whenever it happens. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think like, you know, being a part of the fellowship for me was like a, a really transformative experience in that before I knew about the fellowship, I felt like I didn't really know how to be involved or like where to meet people mm. who were like, you know, concerned about the same things or cared or were willing to talk about them. And so it's been that way of, yeah, like equipping me, but also like giving me the community that I think I needed, especially because we were virtual yeah <laughs> so we had we had to be we had no choice um, yeah so it's a really fine it's a really fine balance I think um because and, and you know my my experience is, this has been my experience um you know I, I'm I've never I've never been a part of a church that is vegan <laughs> or vegetarian <laughs> right. I mean I spoke at a seventh day Adventist college once that was awesome. Um, but like, uh, you know, there's never been a small group that was completely in, like that was going to animal rights protests, right? Like that's mm -hmm. not, a, that was not a part of my church experience. So, you know, and, and, and every sermon, not every sermon, but sermons would often have, you know, um, analogies or stories that I didn't love about the, pa you know, the, the pastor who goes hunting or who, you know, describes the first time he kills a goat in Kenya or something along those lines. It's just, you know, it's uncomfortable and it's not like, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> there can be, there can be deeply uncomfortable, um, uh, situations. Um, but, and for people who feel really passionately about, um, about animal issues, 
um, those can feel like, you know, the, the meat at the potluck or the um, sermon analogy that, you know, um, includes a story about animals or whatever um, can be really difficult. And I don't want to downplay that at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, um, there's no better person to talk to that pastor um, or those congregants than the one they already know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, right? Right, Like, um, uh, Amy in Indiana is going to have way easier time talking to her pastor about, you know, the possibility of maybe um, having fewer meat dishes at potlucks and how can they strategize than I will, right? Than mm-hmm. stranger Sarah coming in with her agenda. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. With my animal rights agenda, you know. Um, so, so how can we, you know, one one of the one of the tasks that we have in front of us is to provide, you know, to provide strength and support and community for folks who may not feel like they get it in their immediate context, but to not be the sole, to not be the sole place where they're mm-hmm. plugging, where people are plugging in with the church, the big C church, right? Like, right. Right. Um, local, local, local faith communities um, are incredibly valuable. It's really important that we, as Christ followers, I think, be a part of a faith community, um, and and um, and engage even when that community, um, you know, does this normal cultural stuff that we find to be really frustrating. I was going to ask you, like, what advice do you have for the lonely person in the middle of nowhere? But you just said, you just, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really, though, it's just to, you know, like, you are the person who is going to change, you know. Yeah. The change yeah. Maker, probably. Yeah. Like, I was a part of this church in Norfolk for a long time. And um, after, you know, I, uh, they, after a few years, they started, um, advertising like they said okay look like we recognize that that um there is a community of people um you know in our church neighborhood that is uh, vegan and vegetarian so we're going to start advertising that there's a vegan and vegetarian option at church meals like that was step number one like they had food available for us on wednesday nights um uh, and, and like it wasn't like it was a secret <laughs> like, like, you didn't have to know the secret handshake to get the food the food was just there um you d- just went and asked for it you know um uh and then after a couple more years um they asked me to help them write like a creation care they wanted to do like a creation care plan for the church and they asked me to help write it which meant that yes, I was going to talk about recycling and whatever, but also, also we were going to talk about animals and like, um, and you know, that whole time, you know, I was volunteering with the youth group, um, helping out with the middle schoolers because middle schoolers are the bomb, um, and singing in the, you know, worship team, um, like I, I was showing up for other stuff that wasn't a, driven by my own particular agenda, but right. that was just being a part of the church life. And I think that's, you know, I think it's, it's possible for most of us to do that. And I think it's, it's, it's good. It's good for us to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely look forward to the time when that's possible or a thing again. I mean, it is, it is for yeah. some people, but you know, I think we also have to find a community of people yes. who is like will, ready to listen sometimes and ready for us to talk and yeah or, or find a group you know because when I start I mean when I started at that church 
like I had to be part of it for a few Mm -hmm. years right um wasn't like it wasn't like they were all ready to go the day I walked in the door you know newly moved to the city right like (laughs) (laughs) it it um it took a couple of years of me just being a part of the congregation and having conversations. And then I knew, and then, you know, I knew they were ready. Um, and they knew me, right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we don't give ourselves quite enough credit sometimes. Like we are, we are, we're like, Oh, this is gonna, this is bad. I'm not going to remember. I don't remember the details of the story, but I believe it was, Mm, was it Moses who was mm. struck who was struck dumb and couldn't talk to or was it his brother I can't remember oh this is bad oh, this is very know. bad yes. anyway we have a voice right like we have right. a voice we're able to use the voice God has called us to use this voice um and I think how we use it and when we use it um is sometimes something that we could be a little bit more strategic about um uh, you know, and uh, allowing uh, relationships to form kind of naturally. And then to, to not, I think one of the great challenges of my life is to, ha- is to not feel quite so anxious about things changing quickly, right? Like I want right, change right. now. Mm-hmm. I want to see the world better now. And um, there's this uh, prayer uh, that's, a, it's called the Oscar Romero prayer, but it wasn't written by Oscar Romero. And it talks about um, being the prophets of a future, not our own, and that we are, um, we are, we, we are the people who plant the seeds and we water them, but we do not make them grow. Um, uh, and that we are workers, not the master builder. And that perspective shift, you know, reading that prayer um, eight years ago had a profound effect on how I viewed my work um, for animals. Um, because there is a tsunami of suffering every single day. Yeah, I want to stop it as soon as humanly possible. Um, But I have a particular place and a particular role in this world. Um, God has not given me the entire problem to solve, right? I have relationships to build, conversations to have, and that is the end of my work. Um, And sort of recognizing that I can just be and be in relationship and that good things will happen as a result of that is enough. That, um, yeah, I pencil drop, you know, <laughs> I thought it was so good. That was so good. And I, I really appreciate it. drop at least. Highlighter drop, yeah, I feel like I make much a, noise. Just a whole, like a whole sermon in a few sentences there. Oh lordy! <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much, Sarah, for for talking to me, for indulging me in my questions and in this conversation. And you know, thank you for starting Creature Kind with, oh with David, and <laughs> and you know, having the program and, and doing all of the work that you do. I think it's really important. And um, well, I happening. shout out to Alini, my co-director, of course, yes. who really does all the program work. I just get the insurance. (laughs) (laughs) I may have started it, but she makes it go. (laughs) Yes. 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 I hope, I hope she's listening and I hope she hears that we are so grateful for her and all of her work. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was my pleasure to talk to you. Yes. I appreciate you. That was an interview between myself and Sarah with Bro King. I hope that you enjoyed it. 
I'm really glad that she was willing to speak with me and that she entertained all of my random kind of questions. And so, Sarah, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I have a few more interviews to share with you over the next several episodes before this season of the show wraps up. So be on the lookout for those. They will be releasing weekly as all of the episodes have been so far. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And we'll be back with another show pretty soon. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.